Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you. Thank you for being here. Lauren Taylor, you are such a gift to us. Thank you for those kind words. Some of my sweetest memories here at Whitworth over the past 11 years have been uh, when we are a worshiping community. And I'm so grateful to have been a part of this worshiping community, to have had the privilege from time to time to bring God's word to you for us as we think about how to live together as a faithful community. Thank you for that privilege. So now as we settle our hearts, take whatever posture you need to hear God's word to us today. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit and close your eyes, do that, but settle yourselves now as we hear the word of God to us today. From 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 17, first from the New Revised Standard Translation. Hear the word of God. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles, to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that, though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right, you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as pretext for evil. Honor everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And if you would indulge me this morning, I want to read that same text from one of my favorite translations, Eugene Peterson's The Message. Again, hear the word of God. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life in your neighborhood so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and they will be there too to join in the celebration when he arrives. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you might meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God and respect the government. You can be seated. This is the word of God to us this day. Well, as Lauren mentioned, it's been an eventful couple of weeks for me and for my family and certainly for the Whitworth community. As you know, two weeks ago, I announced that I would be leaving Whitworth 
after 11 years, uh, a privilege of serving you as your president to return to Samford University to be that university's next president. It would be impossible for me in just the next few minutes to express to you, to describe to you the spiritual, emotional, professional journey that Julie and I have been on these past several weeks, really since the fall when God placed on my heart for the very first time the notion that this might be my last year here at Whitworth. I want to thank so many of you, so many of you who have in the last several days reached out to me to express your love and your appreciation to Julie and to me and to our family. Time and time again, especially during this year, especially during this very challenging year, the Whitworth family has demonstrated itself to be a caring and a loving and a supportive community, and I've certainly felt that love, so thank you. As Lauren said, it's also my last chapel sermon at Whitworth. In every opportunity I've been given to preach God's word to you, these past 11 years, I've attempted to stay very close to the text, and I want to do that again today because I think, as always, it has something very important to say to us. So to the passage of Scripture at hand, Peter continues to instruct the mostly Gentile believers spread across Asia Minor to whom he's writing on how they are to live as ones faithful to the calling of Jesus Christ in their lives. Peter reminds us that they are, and listen carefully here, aliens and exiles. Repeating the recurring theme throughout the New Testament that we Christians count as our first allegiance, the citizenship we hold in the kingdom of God, as heirs to Christ's resurrection glory. Though we may be citizens of other jurisdictions, citizens of the U.S. perhaps, or another country, our first identity is as a citizen of God's kingdom. This is such an important realization for us Christians. To make my point, imagine, imagine if we got that ordering wrong, that priority reversed. What if we were led to believe that our primary responsibility was to the state or to the elements of power we support? or to the policy agendas for which we advocate. And that our identities as Christians, our place in Christ's church, our allegiance to the one true God, that those things took backseat to the more immediate concerns of power and influence. Imagine what could happen if otherwise faithful people were persuaded to do evil, to commit injustice, to tear at the fabric of civil order, all in an attempt to put people and policies over and above their callings as followers of Jesus Christ. Imagine. Now, as followers of Christ, our first devotion, we know this, our first identity, our first loyalty, 
Our first allegiance is to Jesus. So great is our allegiance to Jesus that all the other relationships we have, to all of them, we are mere aliens and exiles. Now, there's nothing wrong with honoring and serving the institutions that govern our worldly citizenship. In fact, later Peter will tell us just that. But as we seek the welfare of our country, of our community, we should always know that at the end of the day, we're, we're just passing through. Our citizenship for many of us as a U.S. American, perhaps, a Spokenite, a Whitworthian, while those identities and subsequent responsibilities are important, they are temporal, and they will one day pass away. What is eternal is our home and citizenship in God's kingdom. That is our first identity. That is our first allegiance. Peter goes on to say that the freedom we have as citizens of God's kingdom doesn't relieve us from the duty we share to be good citizens even in our transitory homes. It's both and. Quite to the contrary, although they are human institutions, Peter employs, implores us followers of Christ to respect our governments and our leaders and in doing so to contribute to the common good and to the flourishing of the communities that God has called us to and placed us in and to our ultimate witness to the truth of the gospel. So one might ask at this point, are we simply to capitulate then to human authority, even and especially when that authority is evil or corrupt? No, I don't think that's what Peter's saying here either. Indeed, Peter reminds his readers, reminds us that we are to conduct ourselves honorably, to do good deeds, to do right, to honor everyone, to love everyone, to fear the Lord. Those don't sound like the behaviors of people who submit blindly to the will of a government or to its leaders. Peter, I think, certainly also hints at the idea that as Christians, we may at times need to voice our displeasure with the actions of the government and to, quote-unquote, do good by encouraging our leaders to act more justly in their roles. Peter claims that we might be persecuted, maybe even ridiculed as a result, but that our constant faithful witness will serve to point people back to Jesus. This is what Peter is saying. And while standing in opposition to corruption and immoral behavior on the part of our government leaders might be necessary at times, I also think that Peter is calling us to be peaceful in those efforts. And as Eugene Peterson's translation encouraged us to not break the rules. I'm aware that these words may be challenging to many of us. They are to me. Especially as we Christians rightly stand up, as it is required, against injustice and at times immoral leadership. The stakes, the stakes seem so high. Especially when we are advocating for the rights and the liberties 
of people who are oppressed and who seek the same freedoms that so many of us enjoy. Hear me well on this point. Peter is not calling people who follow Jesus to be wallflowers and to simply sit idly by while evil is tolerated and encouraged. I think there's a role for peaceful, civil disobedience and to using our voices to bring about changes that contribute to the flourishing of all people who live in our communities. That is what Peter means when he encourages us to do right and to perform honorable deeds. And right alongside those admonitions to honor God, to do right, and to contribute to the common good is the command to honor the peoples and the governments, the human institutions that God has established, even through human hands. In other parts of Scripture, we are commanded to love those who are placed in authority over us and to pray for them. So there, there it is. Peter invites us to live in this tension between, first and foremost, seeing ourselves as children of God and citizens of the kingdom that Jesus Christ is ushering in, and also honoring the civil structures and institutions that govern our lives as temporal citizens of the communities into which we are called, contributing to the common good and living out our values and convictions as we seek the flourishing of all people. That's challenging. That's challenging words for me, for you, for all of us. Finally, let me leave you with this. This university, Whitworth, is also a human and temporal institution in which all of us here have citizenship and to some degree allegiance to. Inasmuch as we humans can discern the will of God, I am persuaded, indeed this morning, friends, I am convinced that God has ordained this place, this institution, these people over more than 130 years to be established for the purpose of contributing not only to the flourishing of our communities, flourishing that can only come into being through the propagation of the good and the true and the beautiful, but that God has also established this place, Whitworth University, to bring light to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And you equip educated citizens like yourselves and 10,000s before you and by God's grace, 10,000s after you to contribute to that same civil society that Peter reminds us today to honor and to contribute to. Friends, I believe mightily in this place called Whitworth. Not because it's worthy of praise or because it's perfect or because its leaders are wise, or its students without shortcomings. Indeed, we all know the limits. We all know the limits of this place. I believe in this place called Whitworth, not because it's perfect. It is not. 
but because it aspires to serve a perfect God. As a human institution, this university can never fully realize, never consistently live out our corporate principles and values. We will fall short time and time again, despite our best efforts. Thank goodness, thank God we serve something bigger than ourselves, greater than this place, greater than its leader, whoever that person may be. No, to honor God, to follow Christ, and to serve humanity, that is our aspiration, a reality that can only be perfected when we give ourselves to Jesus, when we love him with all of our being, and then by his love when we love each other fiercely as we love even ourselves. So God, may Whitworth University, may all of you be found faithful to count yourselves first and foremost as citizens of Christ's kingdom, which will reign forever and ever in peace, justice, goodness, wholeness, and love. And may God bless you, Whitworth. I love you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.